Good to see you all. Thank you for letting me deliver God's word this morning to you all. And, and uh, when I study for a sermon or a lesson or whatnot, uh, often uh, songs will pop in my head. And sometimes one song dominates all others just because it, it, it really resonates what the passage is about. And uh, so I, I had a song uh, that, that was in my head most often, and Danny had asked me uh, if, if there were any that I would like to accompany this uh, sermon, but uh, I couldn't share this one with him um, because it's not a hymn, it's, it's not a spiritual song, it's, it's, uh, it's actually from uh, the musical Annie. Uh, so I, I didn't think that would be entirely appropriate to sing as a worship song. Uh, but uh, I, I fell in love with the story at a young age. My parents took me to see the play, and then later I saw the movie. And I, I've seen some of the modern adaptations, which are fine. They're fine. But uh, I love the one with Carol Burnett and Tim Burton. That's, that's the best. And, and there's this song in there, The Girls in the Orphanage, are singing, uh, well actually it starts with this radio program and, and the song is really silly, it's uh, uh, just uh, uh, one line from it is, uh, what you wear from ear to ear uh, is more important than what you wear from head to toe. And so, and then the chorus goes, you're never fully dressed without a smile. You know, and, and then it pans back to the orphanage and the, the girls are actually mocking the song, which I also love. Uh, but that's not worshipful. But, but that's the song that's been in my head as we look at this passage today. And it, it'll make more sense because the title is Being Clothed with Christ. And, and while there is some truth uh, from the, the Annie musical, uh, it, it doesn't even come close to, to God's word and what he really wants us to do in our daily life. So if you will join me uh, in, in standing as we read God's word. We will be in Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. Just a Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all, these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word and deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this word. I thank you for you. I thank you for our life uh, uh, in Christ through faith in him, Father. And, and I just pray that I would uh, uh, deliver your word and, and that we would hear and, and uh, uh, take it to heart and, and, and just live by faith, uh, this word and all your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I, I uh, 
You know, uh, Stephen told me once, every, every book he preaches, every passage he preaches is his favorite, and, and, and I know that's true. Um, but, but Colossians is, is, is one of my favorites, even when I'm not preaching it. And, uh, and, so, uh, and I especially love uh, chapter 3. And, uh, and so, uh, to set up Colossians a little bit, so that we can really kind of jump into this section uh, without... Uh, without losing context. Colossians was a letter written by Paul uh, that kind of exemplifies the discipleship model. Paul has never met the Colossian church. Um, Paul uh, uh, led this man Epaphras to the Lord and, and discipled him. And Epaphras went to his hometown of Colossae, and uh, he uh, presumably uh, led some of these people to the Lord and, and, and started a church and become an elder. This is the same church that meets in uh, uh, Philemon uh, house. And so uh, uh, Ephesians, Colossians, and Philemon were all kind of delivered together. And, and so, uh, so Paul... Uh, being a disciple of Christ and, and, and growing in Christ, invest in Epaphras, and Epaphras, uh, uh, being a disciple of Christ, invests in others and founds a church. And so this is a great letter uh, just in its uh, existence of the discipleship model that, that, that Jesus calls us to, that Jesus commands us to. And so I, I especially enjoy it. And, and the reason for the letter is there's some strange teaching that has invaded the church. And while we get hints of it throughout the letter, we never know the full details of exactly what teaching it is. Uh, Paul focusing on what is right rather than what is wrong. Um, that's the easiest way to recognize a counterfeit is to fully know what is right. And anything that doesn't line up is counterfeit. And so uh, you can spend forever and a day focusing on what is wrong and never exhaust that. And so Paul uh, focuses. And Colossians, like many of the letters that Paul writes, is easily divided into two parts. Um, he starts with uh, stuff about Christ, Christology. He starts with who we are in Christ and what Christ has done uh, that, that brought us this salvation. And, and so Colossians is no different. And, and in fact, in Colossians, we have this beautiful uh, passage in chapter 1 about the universe not just being created by God, but held together by God. Like, God is holding this work, this creation together, right here, right now. And it, it wasn't just something he did and then just let it go like a top or a, a watch. And God holds his creation together. And, and, and Jesus Christ was there at the beginning. And uh, also, in Colossians, we have uh, uh, some great... Uh, passages about the universal church. A lot of times uh, Paul is focused very much on the individual church that he's writing to, but we have some of the strongest statements from Paul uh, about just all the church uh, through all time. We're all part of one body. And so that's all kind of in the first two chapters, the Christology chapters of, of our life in Christ. And then the second half is kind of more practical about Christ in our life. I, I don't know if I made that up, so if I did, you can give me credit for it. But, but uh, I like to split those two. And so chapter 3 begins 
begins really that practical section of living, living out our lives uh, now that we belong to Christ. And uh, really, I, I wanted to do uh, verses 1 through 17, but that's just a lot. And there's just so much going on there. Uh, and so I focused on the last passage. And, and the title of this sermon is Clothed with Christ or Being Clothed with Christ. And that's also the main idea, by the way, uh, if you like writing the main idea. Um, and so, but just to set up chapter 3 so we know where we're coming, uh, uh, I, I ask that we would read 1 through 4 as our call to worship. Um, and... and uh, and it starts off with this uh, phrase, well, I'm going to, if then you were raised with, uh, if then you were, have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is. If then, and so Paul's saying, you know, if, if you have faith in Christ, you've been raised with Christ. And in fact, that's the symbol uh, of, of our uh, baptism. You know, uh, being buried with Christ in his death and being raised to new life with him. And this isn't some heaven destination. This is, this is now. We've been buried with Christ uh, when we put faith in him. That, that day when we asked him to forgive our sins and be our Lord and Savior, we are joined with Christ right then and there. And now in heaven... Uh, we'll get our resurrected bodies, but our soul is now alive. Paul in Ephesians chapter 2 says we were dead in our trespasses. We're spiritually dead, which totally agrees with the Old Testament. Ezekiel says in chapter 36 that I will, uh, God is saying, I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh and put my spirit in you. We are spiritually dead before Christ. And when we ask Christ to be our Lord and Savior, when we put our faith in Him, we become alive. And so that's why Paul can say, if you have been raised with Christ, we who have trusted Christ have been raised with Him. We've been joined with Him. And one day, our hope is that our physical bodies will be raised with Christ as well. But our spirit, which we've been given, is already with Him. And so that, that phrase, if then you have been raised with Christ, applies to 1 through 17, through, through the entire thing. This is a message for those who have Christ. And he has three big points uh, uh, in, in 1 through 17. And the first one is, set and seek the things that are above, which are Christ. That's kind of the command, and, and I encourage you, if you find any of this interesting, go home and, and read Colossians. Uh, you could easily take uh, chapter 3, 1 through 17, and meditate it on it every day for a month, and I think you will be richly rewarded. And so the first thing is set and seek uh, uh, the things that are above, which is Christ. And then the second part is put to death then, your earthly uh, nature. You're put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you uh, is what the ESV says. And that second part is like violent. Like elsewhere, uh, you know, this second part and third part, Paul talks about it as putting off the old self and putting on the new self. That sounds so nice and pleasant. But here he says, put to death the, the earthly, uh, what is earthly in you. That's violent. 
That's not, oh, put it off, take it off, whatever. It's, he's like, put it to death. Do what it takes. Get it out of your life. Cut it out of your heart. And I'd love to have a sermon on that, but maybe another day. <laughs> and so, and then the third, the third part uh, is, is to put on, as the ESV says. But it's, it's the same Greek word for clothe. Uh, so, so clothe yourself. Some of your translations uh, actually say that uh, rather than put on. And, and so I, I, I prefer clothe in this instance because Paul is trying to convey an imagery here of actually getting dressed. You know, Paul loves his imagery like uh, in Ephesians. He has put on the full armor of God, uh, you know, and so and, and this imagery. And there's so many passages in, in the New Testament, uh, the Gospels, the letters, and, and, and the Revelation that, that deal with our life in Christ, that encourage us in this daily walk with Him. And so, so my hope is, if, if nothing else, that, that you will kind of tune in for the first uh, a point is, is, is the underlayer. <laughs> I, I divided the, the clothing into the underlayer and the overlayer Primarily because he said put love over it all, which means the first layer is the underlayer. So I hope that didn't offend. But uh, that underlayer, he says uh, in, in verse uh, 12, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. So let's stop there. We haven't gotten to the layer yet. Again, Paul's reminding us, if you have been raised with Christ. Now he's saying... Uh, some aspects of being raised with Christ, that we are God's chosen ones. And we are holy and beloved. And so this passage kind of describes as Christians who we are in Christ, but who we need to be. Uh, many theologians call it the already not yet kind of reality of, of this is who we are and this is who we need to be. And, and, and I like to say, you know, Paul talks about this a lot in his letters. I like to say it's, it's almost like your dad kind of coming and telling you about your family heritage. You know, I, I'm a Stefan. And, and so it, it'd be like my dad saying, you know what? Uh, this is what it means to be a Stefan. You know, this is the heritage that we have. This is the, the qualities that have been in your forefathers and your ancestors and the people that have gone before you. And I'm hoping to instill the exact same qualities in you. And so your, your dad or your mom might tell you, this is who we are. This is who you need to be because at some point, when you start becoming an adult, you have to decide, am I going to really be a Stefan uh, or is it just going to be my last name? And Paul's doing the same thing spiritually. This is who we are in Christ. This is who we need to be. And so live up. Live up to that standard that Christ has called you to. And so we are God's chosen ones. Notice that's plural. We are not God's chosen one. That's Jesus. Uh, but uh, we are God's chosen ones. We're called to a family. All of this is in the context of a spiritual family. We're not Lone Ranger Christians. Unfortunately, I'm guilty of that many times myself. But we're called to be a family, and it'll make a whole lot more sense once we get to that first layer. And then we're beloved. You know, uh, we're, we're God's chosen people, precious, 
uh, you know, Peter really picks up on that idea of, of being precious, of being beloved. And, and, and uh, John uh, picks, uses beloved more often. Peter uses precious. And, 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 and this idea that we're, we're, we're loved just beyond reason. And maybe like you, uh, you have people on your heart that you've been long praying for, whether it's uh, cancer or other illness or, or salvation or, or just people on your heart that, that, that you've been praying for for years. God loves them way more than you do. God, in fact, loves them perfectly. And, and we need to rest in that. We need to realize that, that God loves them more. And, and, and don't stop praying for them. Certainly don't do that. But, but, but let that empower your prayer. That not only are we loved, but, but the people that, that, we, that are just on our hearts are loved by God. And so then we have that first layer. And this is my hope. If, if nothing else, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I'm going to share something silly about myself. Um, on, on work days, it's difficult for me to get up. I don't know if anyone can relate to that. <laughs> um, you know, the alarm goes off, you get up. Well, I kind of have to go through a little routine in my head, and, and the first layer involves seven items of, of clothing. And so I count the seven items. And the next layer, I call that the, the first layer. The next layer involves five more items, you know, my shirt and my pants, the uh, shoes, and, and uh, what's the fifth one? Oh, I, uh, I forget what the fifth one is. Uh, but anyway, uh, and then, then, then the last layer, so this won't totally match our, our, our sermon, is the accessories like, okay, wallet, phones. There's five more items. And, and I kind of just kind of go through that because my brain's not functioning properly. And so I just kind of go so that I get dressed properly and get out the door. And uh, I haven't even told my wife this, so, you know. <laughs> hey, I count in the morning. So, uh, but, uh, but my hope is that, and I've, I've been trying to do this myself with, with some success, uh, uh, my hope is, rather than count about the physical things that I need to put on, that, that we would start counting the spiritual things that we need to put on. And, and here we are. Here's the first layer. Compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Five things. And, and my hope is, starting tomorrow even, that as you're getting dressed, you'll be thinking about, I, I need to get dressed spiritually. I need to, to get myself mentally ready for the day so that I can be all that Jesus wants me to be. And uh, I need to be kind. I need to have a compassionate heart. I need to have humility meekness and patience now if i really wanted to dig into those five things this could be our whole sermon so i'm leaving that up to you to kind of dig into that but i, I want to talk about them in general and uh, i hope that when you think about who possesses these equality these qualities 
you're thinking of Jesus. I mean, when I think of Jesus and the life he lived that's told to us through the Gospels, he certainly lived compassionate hearts. How many times did he want to do something and, and then the crowd kind of forced him another way and, and he, he had compassion on them? How many times was he kind to someone? Uh, was he humble and meek and patient? I mean, he is the perfect embodiment of all of this. And in fact, uh, you know, meekness uh, is kind of an interesting English word. When I apply it to anything else, I think of, of small and insignificant and puny and powerless. But that's not our Lord at all. He is restrained power. And not restrained in the fact that it's bubbling over and it could burst at any moment. That's me. I've snapped out at people. I'm sure we all have. That's, that's not restrained power. Like, Jesus literally, anytime he wanted to, even from the cross, could have called down legions of angels. And, to boot, he doesn't even need those angels. He could have called upon his own divine power and, and displayed things that would wow even the creators of Marvel and DC. Like, like, like he, he could have come in that way as a superhero beyond all comparison. And yet he came in, in a lowly stable, announced to shepherds a, a lowly profession. And he is the very nature of restrained power. For what? For the glory of God, for the love of him, and for the salvation of us, for the love of us. That is why he restrained his power. That is why he willingly, humbly went to the cross. But... It's not just our Lord, the perfect embodiment of these. Think about that first generation that Jesus poured his, his, his life into. You know, Peter, uh, I love Peter uh, because I do this too. He's constantly just foot and mouth disease, saying the wrong thing at the wrong time. Like right after he confesses the Christ, he gets rebuked by Jesus and called Satan. Satan in Hebrew means adversary. So, like, right after this beautiful confession, he says something totally dumb and gets rebuked. And James and John, the, the other two of the inner three, were called sons of thunder, which I always thought was cool, but really, Jesus is saying, you're hotheads. And we see these men, and, and we went through First and Second Peter last semester in, in Grow Group, and you see the man that Peter became. And I see men that towards the end of their life started embodying more and more what was demonstrated them through Jesus Christ. You read the letters of Peter, and he's not the same guy that was in the Gospels always sticking his foot in his mouth. And you read the letters of Paul, uh, who, who was uh, literally presiding over the first martyrdom of Stephen and, and persecuting the church and throwing people in prison. And you read the letters of Paul, and he sounds kind of bold. I, I couldn't always live up to Paul. wasn't always sure that we'd be friends if we were in the same uh, time. But one of the complaints I began to realize of the, the Corinthian church was, you sure write good letters, but when you show up in person, you're kind of insignificant. You're not a good speaker. And the Corinthian church, they loved good speakers. 
They were known for it, that town. And they're like, well, Paul, you're not very impressive. And, and then Paul had his moment of weakness that three times he went before the Lord. And the Lord's answer wasn't to take it away, but to tell him, my grace is sufficient in your weakness. And I began to see Paul is like this too. He just writes really well that it's harder to see. And we see this first generation begin to embody more and more. And that's what we should inspect, uh, expect of our leaders. That's what we should expect of ourselves. That the more we live, the longer we live with Christ, that we should be embodying this more and more. I, th- I don't want to be a man of a mega church or Billy Graham and, and this charismatic speaker if it means that I'm not known for these qualities. And let's face it, I'm sure many of you are thinking of someone that's a very charismatic leader and they're not known for these qualities. And they should be. That's who our Lord was. That's who that first generation strived to be like and that's who we need to strive to be like. We need, and so my hope is in the morning, starting tomorrow, and for the rest of your life, that you won't just be thinking about the actual clothing you're wearing but you'll be thinking about the spiritual clothing you need to be wearing each and every day. And then in verse 15, after you've got this underlayer on, this first layer, uh, he kind of, Paul mentions that that when you embody uh, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, when you embody that, that empowers you to bear with one another to forgive one another. And this is kind of a big deal. You know, forgiveness is kind of the root of our problem. We have sin, which separates us from God, and we need forgiveness. It's at the very core of existence, and and it's the very reason why Jesus became a human. And the sad part is, it's not just for salvation, it's for daily living. When the disciples asked Jesus uh, uh, to teach them how to pray, the model prayer that he gives them, give us this day our daily bread. Lord, give us everything we need to get through this day. And what's the very next thing? Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. We need forgiveness daily. I don't know about you, but I still say and do stupid things. I wish I wouldn't. And, and the reality is, <laughs> as a body, as a local church, as a local family, we're going to say and do things that upset each other. You know, and, and it might not even be sinful things or wrong things. It might be just clashing personalities You know, not every personality just meshes really well with every other personality. Some people just rub you the wrong way, which makes you a whole lot more inclined to say and do something stupid. And the reality I know is I've already done that. I know there's some people in this room that I've said and done something stupid, and I hope that you've already forgiven me. If not, please forgive me. And unless we're just like this totally dysfunctional family, this is going to happen. 
as we worship together, as we grow together, as we serve together, we're going to rub each other wrong sometimes. We're going to say and do something wrong, and we need forgiveness. We need to, to just forgive each other. And there's no, I'm about to say something that there's no formula for. Uh, Jesus himself said, love covers over a multitude of sins. And there's, there's sometimes when someone says or does something boneheaded that you just need to get over it. <laughs> you just need to realize that the love of Christ has washed over you, the forgiveness of Christ has washed over you, and you need to pass that on. Don't even bring it up. Cover it over. But there's other times when you need to talk about it. Maybe you've covered it over and it just keeps rearing its ugly head. Maybe you need to go talk like, it really hurt me when you said or you did this. And I'm trying to forgive you, but I, I don't seem to be getting past this. They need to hear that. And so, okay, that's dangerous. I just said it. And there's no formula of when, when you just need to get over it, move on, and when you need to talk. And so it requires having a relationship with our Father that helps us with our relationships with each other. And so we need forgiveness, and that, that first layer should inspire us to that. And there's, there's, uh, there's so many passages. I love the parable of the unmerciful servant. And, and God again and again tells us, the forgiveness that you found in Christ with me should, should just cover over every other relationship you have. But then, so you've got this imagery, you've got this first layer on, you're ready to go out, but wait, don't forget your coat. You need that second layer. You need that overcoat. Or, or you know, some theologians have even said that Paul had in mind here a belt that kind of keeps the whole thing together. I don't know if you ladies like that. You know, it's that, that one accessory that just makes the whole outfit work. It's love. It's love. And above, verse 14, and above all uh, these things, uh, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And so, you know, I, I often marvel, you know, God is, is so much. And, and everything he says and he does, it, all that he is, is in all that he says and does. You know, and, and there's... There's, you know, there's a tendency in our, in our hearts, in our lives to think kind of compartmentalize God, but that's wrong. God is a perfect whole, and, and there's never a moment that he isn't exhibiting his perfect love. There's never a moment that he isn't exhibiting his perfect justice. He doesn't say, uh, which the world wants him to say, why can't you just kind of look the other way and forgive us all? Just, just... Just, you know, throw justice out the door, then he wouldn't be perfect anymore. He doesn't set aside part of himself uh, so that we can be forgiven. And that's why, through Jesus, he was able to maintain his perfect justice and his perfect love. Jesus took our payment. And love binds it all together. Of all the qualities that God possessed, uh, John says that God is love. And, and I suppose you could say that about all of God's qualities. I, I, I won't fight that. But, but, but John said God is love. And, you know, maybe you're like me. Something I wrestled with a lot as a teenager and a young, young adult 
was my feelings. And I'd hear a word like love, and the first thing I thought about was emotions and romance and, and, and kind of the bottom of the list. But, but God's love is, is, is clearly spoken about in his word. To, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second commandment is like unto it, is linked to it, to love others as yourself. Putting others' needs ahead of your own. That's biblical love. What we say and do and how we treat each other. It, it, the emotions come and go. They, they ebb and flow. And, and they'll mislead you sometimes. You know, sometimes you can, you can have one of those difficult personalities and you say, well, well, this is what I need to do. This is how I need to treat them. And, and then you do that. That's love. And let me, let me in on another lie of this world. If you do that, you're not going to instantly feel warm and fuzzy. Just let you in on that. Uh, you know, when you walk in, in the Spirit, you don't always instantly feel warm and fuzzy. Sometimes you do what you know you need to do because that is love. The warm and fuzzies will come later. They ebb and flow. And so I want us to go home or to leave this sanctuary. And, and my hope is that, that we, will, we will think about this every morning. You know, uh, 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 Brother Lance that spoke two weeks ago mentioned Romans 12 and, and uh, specifically the, the passage, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Have you ever asked yourself what that renewal meant? He, he gave a, a definition, and, and I'm going to too. Uh, Pastor Stephen mentioned that same passage last week. I don't know if you caught that. But, but it's, it's this daily walk with Christ, the renewal of your mind, this, this acknowledgement of the identity that we now possess through faith in Christ and, and, and the commitment to live that out today. And it's daily. There's so many passages in the Bible and, and when we get to dwell in the, the word of Christ richly, uh, uh, I'll mention a few more. But, but, but Jesus said uh, in the Gospels, if anyone would come after me, he must first deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. And so my hope is, you know, there's so many imageries in the Bible. You, you can, in the morning, imagine yourself, like, putting yourself to death, <laughs> taking up your cross, a sign of submission and humility and, and, and lordship of the one that, that controls the cross. And daily, not just Sunday morning, not just when you get saved, but every day of your life. And I, I had trouble outlining this passage, uh, but, but then I began to see there's just two layers. Paul, Paul has this imagery of the first layer and then love that binds it all together. But I believe the next three things that he mentions are the result of this renewal of your mind, of this getting ready spiritually every morning. And I, I called it three thankful deeds of the fully dressed. I don't know if it's up there already. Yeah, great. And, and so I, I really think the, these next three things aren't 
more layers to put on. They're the result of putting on this spiritual mindset, this life that, that Jesus calls us to. And, and as I began to study them, I realized they all end with being thankful. Uh, they say it different ways. The first one is be thankful. The second one is with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And the last one is giving thanks to God uh, the Father through Him, meaning Jesus Christ. And so, you know, just as I, I feel like forgiveness is one of the, the, the top of the list of our daily needs, thankfulness is the top of the results. Like, and that could be a litmus, a lit, I can't say that word, that could be a test uh, for are we really embodying Christ? Are we really dressing ourselves spiritually in the morning? Uh, can we do these things thankfully? You know, I, I, if you grew up in the church like me, and I'm, I'm very thankful for that, I was encouraged to memorize scriptures long before I ever became a Christian, and, and it was really cool because when I did become a Christian at age 19, it was like the Spirit had already like equipped me with all this stuff and all this head knowledge began to flow down and become real in my life. And so I, I'm, I'm grateful and I think we should be in the church as much as possible and we should, we should put our children and our grandchildren and our nieces and nephews and other relationships in church as much as possible. Even if they're not saved yet. Because the Lord will use that as he used it in mine. And so one of the verses I memorized was, uh, and whatever you do in word and deed, uh, well, I'm, I'm about to butcher it. It's, it's tough memorize, uh, quoting scripture when you're in front of everyone, uh, but, but you should do that too. And when, whatever you do in word and deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Great verse to memorize, but it's at the very tail end of a very long talk. And my hope is that we'll see that all that flows into whatever we say and do. That's every action <laughs> that can come out of us. You know, the only thing else is, is, is our mind, what happens in our head. And that was the very first part of this passage. Set your minds and seek the things that are above. And so... So, but before we get there, the first one is let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. And, and I really think this harkens back to the forgiveness issue. That, that we, should, we should see the, the salvation that we have in Christ. You know, e even the, the testimony of someone who stands up before you and says, yeah, I was a... A Christian at a young age, my parents always brought me to church, and I, I really don't remember that the day when I got saved or, 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 or the exact moment, but, but I know I got saved. And, and so as a result, you know, I, I don't have one of those lives where I, you know, joined a Harley biker gang and, and killed nuns on the side and, and, and did all that other crazy stuff. I, I tried to live for the Lord at a very young age. That is a beautiful testimony. And you know what? They were just as dead and, and, and caught on in their sins as the Harley Barker guy, dude. And, 
and they're, they're made just as alive. And, and, and Jesus said, the more we understand just how much we are forgiven, the greater our love and appreciation for the Lord is. I'm paraphrasing uh, a parable where Simon, uh, not Simon Peter, but a different Simon was, was with the Lord. He was a religious leader. And, and this woman comes in and, and, and washes Jesus' feet with her hair and her tears, which is just utterly beautiful. She is that grateful, but she was a former prostitute. And Simon's saying, well, if, if Jesus only knew who she had been, or maybe he didn't say had been, if Jesus only knew who she is, he wouldn't let her touch him. But Jesus knew exactly who she was. And, and he taught Simon a lesson that day. She loves much because she's forgiven much. And the reality is Simon could have, we don't know, Simon could have had just as much forgiveness as her. The more we see our sin, the more we see the price that Jesus paid so that that sin would be paid for, the greater our love and appreciation for him. So let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. And it should, it should overflow and, and, and saturate and affect every other relationship that you have. And if it's not, you need to repent of that. And you need to start letting it. Because this is interesting. He says, let it. It's very passive. Let God's peace rule in your heart. Submit yourself to God. God, uh, you know, Jesus is the only way. But God is a gentleman, as C.S. Lewis likes to tell us. He's not going to force anyone in his kingdom. In fact, after we're in his kingdom, he's not going to force us to live up to the commands that represent the good life that he has intended for us. God's just not going to do that. He could. But he, he calls, he invites in these commands, and, and they do represent the very best for our life. And then let the word, uh, 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And uh, he talks about what it, what it will do, but, but just let's stop there. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. You know, and, and I mentioned earlier that there's so many passages uh, that talk about our daily life in Christ. I'm, I mentioned one, take up your cross daily and follow Christ. Uh, Christ meant for this commitment to be a daily commitment. And, and uh, uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, which also involves clothing, uh, and, and I wonder if Paul was making that connection. I, maybe. We'll see. Uh, but uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all the other things, like your daily need for food, your daily need to get dressed and clothed in the morning. All these other things will be added unto you. Uh, so there is a little truth in the Annie story that the attitude that flows out in a smile is more important than the clothing that you wear. But I don't want us to fall into the trap of after you become a Christian, you're supposed to throw a smile on your face and fake it till you make it. Uh, you know, there's, there's, it kind of works, and so there's a little truth behind it. But I don't want us to be fake Christians. I want us to have real smiles on our heart, real uh, on our face, real joy in our hearts. And sometimes that means, you know what, my, my brother has cancer. 
you know what, uh, this loved one isn't saved. You know what, I just got fired from my job. But I have Christ. And I'm, I'm not like warm and fuzzy right now, but I have Christ. And I am thankful. And uh, I mentioned also, Paul says in Romans 12 that we need to be renewed in mind. And the more we read the word... The more we study the Word, the more we meditate on God's Word, the richer it becomes. The more that we see it's all interconnected. The big story is His story, and Jesus Christ is the the answer for sin and death and forgiveness. And the more we read and study on our own, the more we make those connections. And, And the Word of Christ becomes richer and, and we have more to draw upon in our own lives, and we have more to draw upon in, in, in others' lives. And, you know, two weeks ago at the missions engagement, uh, one of the takeaways I, I took, uh, I went to uh, a, the Gen Z uh, talk, and then I, I also went to uh, uh, sharing Christ in a postmodern culture, which our, our culture is becoming more and more. And one of the, the takeaways I got from that is, is, is the more you have uh, to, to talk to people, the more tools you have, the more things you have, the more likely you are to say something that connects with someone, that, that resonates with them. And one of the big ones today for Gen Z is just sharing your story. You know, that they... they they're curious, they want to hear, they want to know, and, and your story is real and valid just as much as their story is. And you can tell your story of how you met Christ, and, and you can work on it, and, and you can talk about your story of, I, I, I realized that I couldn't save myself, that no matter what I did, I, I couldn't get saved, and I needed someone's help. You can work the gospel into your story so that, that his story becomes part of your story. And, and my takeaway was, the more you practice, the more you do, the better you get at it, the more people you talk to, the more people you encounter and share Christ with, the better you get at it, the more you read God's word and becomes richer in your life, the more you have it at hand, to share. And so I want to encourage us to, to be daily in the Word. And, and, you know, people talk about devotional reading. That, to me, that's just reading that, that you just let kind of hit you. You know, you, I, I listen to the Bible now on the way to work. Uh, my, my wife inspired me to do that, and I'm thankful for that. And I used to go to work. I'd roll out of bed, I'd do my counting, get dressed, and get in the car. And, and, and the first interaction I had with other human beings was all the jerks cutting me off. I try to follow the rules. And, and if you do, you start thinking about everyone else is being jerks. And then I'd listen to talk radio while that was happening, and the whole world's going crazy. And I got to the Christian ministry where I worked in a really poor frame of mind. Because I wasn't getting dressed spiritually. And my first encounters with human beings were horrible. And now I'm listening to the Word of God and not talk radio. 
I sometimes listen on the way home. I haven't totally cut it out. <laughs> but uh, I listen to the Word of God and I let it influence me. And let me tell you, those jerks aren't quite so jerky. Okay, they're, they're still jerks. But it doesn't react to me the same. And I realize they need forgiveness. And then finally, you know, after let, let Christ's peace rule in your hearts, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, I kind of just titled this, whatever, you know, and you have to say it like that, I'm sorry, you just have to. Because that's kind of Paul's point. The most important things is the peace of Christ in your heart and the word of Christ in your heart, kind of in line with Jesus's seek ye first the kingdom of God, and then all these other things. So Paul's saying, and whatever you do, after you, you get dressed spiritually, whatever you do, do to the glory of Jesus Christ. And you know, it's, it's real... I, it's a good verse to memorize. I'm not saying that. But, but until you understand that, jumping straight to doing everything you want, say, and do for the glory of God, you run the risk of becoming a, a whitewashed sepulcher like the religious leaders that Jesus rebuked. Because it, first of all, takes a life in Christ. If then you have been raised in Christ, set your mind seek the things above, put to death the earthly things, and then get dressed spiritually. All of that leads up to everything you say and do in your life. And I hope that as many of us as possible, including myself, tomorrow morning we'll start thinking about that rather than numbers or whatever y'all do, and that we'll get dressed spiritually each and every day. So, finally, I've mentioned it all throughout my sermon, and I've been very mindful of it. Some of you in this room may have never been dressed at all. You are spiritually dead. You are naked and cold and alone. You have a sense that this world is broken and you don't know what will fix it. Jesus, my friend, will fix it. Some of you have never been dressed your identity has not changed. You do not have Christ. None of this will mean a hill of beans if you don't have Christ. And in fact, if you're able to start doing this in your life without Christ, that's how you become those religious leaders that Jesus rebuked. So don't do that. Get Christ. I, I urge you, and, and I know there's people on our hearts right now, lift them up. Share Christ where possible in love. And for those of us who sometimes go out of the house naked, I said it that way on purpose, because I'm guilty of that, rolling out of bed, jumping in the car, and not giving a thought to God or the things of God. Let's stop doing that. Let's get dressed, put on that, that under layer, put on that outer layer, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And then, whatever you do, when someone cuts you off, you'll be okay. You can glorify God in the midst of your trials, of your struggles, 
of your cancer, of a loss of a loved one, of all of that. You can be thankful. You don't have to put a smake, smake, fake smile on. So that's my encouragement to us today, and I, I hope to hear good reports next week. Or if you have my phone number, you can tell me throughout the week. So let's pray.